Welcome to Basic Snitches. That's Adam. That's Tara. And we are here to be basic. Yes. We are drinking wine and we, we ordered are. empanadas. Oh my fucking God, these <laughs> empanadas. She showed me the thing on DoorDash and she was like, have you gotten things from this place? And I was like, fuck yes, I have. Now, <laughs> the questionable thing is that I ordered two because I ate before Tara got here. And so Tara got... A few empanadas. But there was also a mysterious ball. <laughs> it was a ball? When she handed it to me, it was in like a paper bag. And I just washed my hands. And I was like, oh, I think it's two empanadas in there. Like both of us got a fucking cheeseburger empanada. so good. Uh, with pickles in it. It was delightful. So good. And I was like, oh, it's the cheese- cheeseburger ones just back to back. No. It's, it's a ball. an actual ball. It was a ball. And what kind of ball was it? It was a potato ball. Oh my god! And there was meat in it! (laughs) I was about to say that could be the author's name, but we already got past the potato thing. She doesn't deserve to be called a potato. She can't be a potato for her. What's a bad veg? Beets. Oh, I already have a name. Oh, you do? Look at Tara being way more prepared than I am. (laughs) Oh no, it came to me literally on the drive here. Awesome. She got cut off and she screamed something and someone was like, that's the author's name. Also, I like beets, so... Oh, I hate beets. And you like mushrooms too, right? I do. I do not like mushrooms. We can't, we're not calling her mushrooms because I like those. Yeah. Today we are going to read nothing. We're not a reading podcast. We don't do that. We're going to discuss chapter seven of Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. Prince. The Slug the Club. Club. I was once again this close saying Order of the Phoenix. As always, it is time to acknowledge our lovely patrons. Thank you, as always, for all of your support. Ashley, Brian, Brittany, Jen, Layla, Marybeth, Megan, Nisi, Olivia, Nicole, and Raph. <coughs> and as always, you can join that list by going to patreon.com slash basic snitches. We've got three tiers from three to ten dollars a month for plenty of exclusive content and more. I'm grabbing my phone to send Adam the thing. Oh, yes. but And while you're doing that. But while I'm doing that, <laughs> let me talk about the winner and loser of chapter six. You know who the winner and loser of the chapter is? I am going to say that the winner is either Madame Malcolm or Malcolm. Mal, what the, Malcolm? That bitch's name. Yeah. M- Malcolm. The winner is Malcolm. <laughs> Whoever that is. Or Hagrid. And <laughs> the loser is Draco. Draco's definitely the loser. Yes. Mostly because... He's such a dick. (laughs) Other than, like, you know, all the other stuff. If Draco's in a chapter, there's a possibility of him getting a loss because he's just garbage. Yeah. But he's so rude to Madame Malkin. That tells you how somebody is when they treat someone when they're being waited on. She's literally just fucking measuring you so she can give you robes that fit, you asshat. Fuck you. I hate him. The winner. The Weasleys wins. Oh, duh. They Duh. Are you Look kidding me? Look at them go. I was so wrong. It's <laughs> obviously them. <laughs> Look at them go. I am like, yes, bitches. Yes. Yes. 100. Oh, God, I did not make sure that this made sense. So That's okay. I sent you a thing about Chapter 7, The Slug Club, and I hope it's not terrible. If it doesn't make sense, then we'll get through it. Chapter 7, The Slug Club. After five books filled with Draco being obsessed with Harry... We learn that the feeling is mutual, and Harry cannot stop thinking about the blonde little fucker and what he's been up to. Hermione and Ron couldn't be less interested in Malfoy and his bullshit, but Harry even tells Mr. Weasley his suspicions. 
just before boarding the train to school. Harry is sitting with Neville and Luna on the train when he and Neville are invited to have lunch with Professor Slughorn. When they arrive, they are introduced to a handful of other students with famous relatives who were invited along with Ginny. And here is Slughorn's first gathering of the Slug Club for the school year. When they start to head back after the meal, Harry has a stupid idea to follow the one Slytherin boy who had been in the Slug Club meeting back to the Slytherin carriage so he can spy on Malfoy under his invisibility cloak. Harry almost gets away with this stupid idea, but Malfoy is suddenly much smarter and more observant than he's been before and catches him. He immobilizes Harry, then covers him with his invisibility cloak so nobody will find him and leaves him to think about how stupid he'd been. I mean, it's a stupid thing. At the same time, it's not one of those, oh, I told you so things, because Drake has been a fucking idiot too up to this point. That's fair. Like, Harry really should have been able to get away with it based on how Draco has shown us how he's a fucking idiot for the last five books. Things usually work out for Harry's. This is like a scene I remember reading the first time and being like on the edge of my seat over and it was just the beginning of the book because I was like, oh no, is Harry going to get sent back to London on the train? Oh my gosh, like Draco did catch him. Like, I remember just being so engrossed in it. But thinking about it now, Draco has shown zero skill level at anything Mm. in the last five years. Why would you ever think that he suddenly would recognize that Harry's there? We know that Harry is right. Draco is up to something. Draco has a big plan and it's bad and and he's being very clever this year. But like, how is he suddenly clever? Dad goes to prison and you suddenly fucking find a brain? Like, what? (laughs) Knowing Draco, it could very well be part of that. And like, well, I'm the man of the house now, so I have to like get down to business. I mean, look at the shit he deals with. So maybe. But at the same time, partially this is the movie, but he's very broody. And so perhaps since he's a little bit more quiet to himself and stuff, it's making him a little bit more observant. Who knows? But in regards to this scene, too, that is one of my least favorite things in the whole series. Yeah. And when we were watching the movie portion of it, I think it's because it's not magic. I mean, Petrificus Totalis is. But the fact that he breaks his nose, I absolutely fucking hate it. It always is cringy cringy for me. Yeah. Yeah, of course, the movie handles things a little bit differently, but we'll get there. We'll get there, because I got things to say. Yeah. The beginning of the chapter is literally just all about how Harry is obsessing over Draco and Ron <laughs> yes. and Hermione are like, fucking shut up about him, okay? God. Now, <laughs> this kind of goes back to something I mentioned previously in the last episode where we talked about Harry's intuition. And here it is again. He has the intuition and he <clears throat> is right. The dark mark thing was also a, a great thought, too. He thinks back to when they were at Meta Malcolm's. Mal- oh my god, I can't fucking say your name anymore. Malkin. Yes, <laughs> Madam Malkin's. <laughs> and he kept getting pricked in the arm. She kept pricking the prick. Then Harry realizing, oh my god, it's because he has the dark mark. I don't obviously know if he has a thing. It's probably he doesn't. Because, you know, we've already gotten the setup and stuff. But I love that he, like, thought of that little detail. His idle thoughts are things like this. Like, Hermione's idle thoughts are incredibly mature and smart and very thought through. These are Harry's idle thoughts. Thinking about, well, literally the future of the wizarding world. And so when Malfoy, who he's already always hated, is acting funny, Harry just assumes the worst is coming because, well, why shouldn't he? Why shouldn't he also assume the worst about Malfoy? 
Malfoy's dad is in prison, has been named a Death Eater. Voldemort has been announced as being back. The Ministry is now supposedly on the good side again, which they kind of are currently, if you're going to choose sides or whatever. But Malfoy just floating around into, like, dark areas of Diagon Alley Mm -hmm. and acting suspicious. And he's being very aggressive with, what's his fucking face, Borgen or Burke or whatever one it is. Your dad is in fucking prison. You guys are not really in a place to just be, like, flouncing about and being like, look at us. I mean, he's not invited to Slughorn's party. He knows that he's kind of a pariah right now. And he's behaving this way. And Harry's like, it's not just that Draco's a spoiled little brat. Something else is going on. And he's right. Yeah, all of that. Absolutely. It would have been um, something to consider before they saw him go into Nocturne Alley. But now that that's happened and that they hear how he treats this adult man who's also evil enough to have a shop at Nocturne Alley. Right. Like, it's one thing the way he talks to Madame Malkin, which is unacceptable and fuck him for that. But, like, he goes in and bullies this man who could hurt him. Mm-hmm. And probably would. You know, if he had the sense, he could have just, like, closed the shop and Avada Kedavra Malfoy right there if he wanted. Just, like, don't fucking mess with me. And that's how Malfoy talks to him. Yeah. Obviously, Madame Malkin's just going to be like, please be nice to me, young man, because she's a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> what it makes me think of is, like, when boys, as they're coming to age, try to be, like, masculine. And what yeah. masculine means, according to them, no, that's not what my masculinity is about. It's about being comfortable in your own skin. It's accepting that there are masculine and feminine things about you and that all of it is important and your makeup and all of that it's beyond just a binary of the two things and the masculine does not necessarily i shouldn't even say that masculinity does not mean oh i'm gonna be like the big man and i can walk around with my dick out and treat people however the fuck i want right no that's the absence of it in fact it's interesting because I think that could very well be some of this. Uh, it's a little bit of a trope in YA literature that we haven't kind of seen up to this point. And the funny thing is, we get it with Draco, and then we also get it with somebody else who is introduced in this chapter that I also hate. So, <laughs> he tells Arthur, like you said too, about all of this. And it makes sense. If a kid or anybody has thoughts of something, the right thing to do is to tell somebody. So I like that he did that rather than just keep it in. And, of course, Arthur works for the ministry. Right. So good on him for that. Well, you know, you think about how they approached the end of year five, in which they were like, we don't have anyone to go to. We don't have anyone to go to after McGonagall. Yes. And Hagrid were gone. And they really shot themselves in the foot over realizing that they actually had Snape to go to. But, you know, Snape yeah. is... A whole different entity there. I think Harry at this point is probably very much in the space of, I'm going to tell anyone I fucking can. And he sure does. He says shit to McGonagall this year. He says shit to Dumbledore this year. Hagrid, he does not hide it. He has a concern. And by the way, it's fucking legitimate. And guess what? If Harry felt like he was able to talk to adults last year, a lot of things would have happened differently. Yeah. But no one gave him that space. And this year he's taking that space. Yes. Good for him. I, I love Honestly, it. honestly, I know that Dumbledore and him get into it over it later on in the book. But, like, I mean, I will change my mind maybe when we get there. Mm-hmm. But, like, ignoring Harry's persistence is a huge 
thing that the adults fucked up in this book. Yeah. I think. And I will happily take that back when we get to that space and reread it and re-explore it. But remembering it the way I'm remembering it and thinking about the end of the fifth book, I do not blame Harry one bit for being a suspicious little fucker. Yeah, that's the thing. Thinking of the entire last book where they didn't have this, that's a really great point in that now that he is able to tell adults things again, this should not be a concern. So I agree with you. Like, when we get there, we'll see what the circumstances are. But now knowing, like, where Harry is and how he's got his guard up, I say, yeah, absolutely good on him. Since we're still at Burrow, and all I wrote was Fleur on Tonks, she oh, probably said something rude. Yeah, she's like, oh, Tonks has let herself go. Ma'am, you are a woman, and women need to be lifting each other up. That. And also, I feel like people weren't lifting you up before, so get on the right level. Mm-hmm. This is maybe the one thing, she actually doesn't lose any points for it, but this is the one thing that I think Fleur has done so far that... Yeah. Maybe actually... Since since book four, where she was calling Harry a little boy. Well, yes, right? there's that too. <laughs> but like, otherwise, I'm Team Fleur. But listen, you weren't there last year, Fleur, when all these people were at the Ministry of Magic, and a man died, and people were traumatized. Tonks is probably still dealing with that, on top of the fact that the man she loves is like, not nah, bitch. But that's a whole other thing that we'll get to. Yeah. <laughs> the other big thing here at the Burrows that Arnold now has officially been named. I love Arnold. We mentioned him last yes. time and mentioned his name, but yes, Arnold is Quen for sure. We love Arnold. First new Quen this book, Arnold. Arnold. Hey, Arnold! Okay, I was in love with that show when I was a kid. Once they get onto the train, Ginny, of course, blows off Harry for Dean. Right? And I love the choice to talk about how Harry had forgotten that she didn't actually hang out with them. And I think it's just one of those little nuggets of like, okay, yeah, she has her boyfriend now, but we see how things unfold in the future. And it is very interesting. We kind of talked about this already in the last episode, but Ginny would be another great one to do like a character arc episode Oh, I too. can't wait. We do that. Like the boys that she ends up dating throughout the series and stuff and like how she starts being like having this little like girly crush when she, even before she goes to right. Hogwarts and then her journey through finally being with Harry. It is kind of nice. It's not like a straight shot like people often think. It is an up and down, which right. is really good. So yes, Ginny is with Dean Thomas, which which honestly like makes Seamus jealous. You go girl. Right. And of course that leaves Harry to be with Luna and Neville. Neville. And it's a really interesting contrast to where Harry was last year when he was stuck on the train with Neville and Ginny and Luna and he didn't really know Luna yet. And like Mm. they were, he was like kind of embarrassed by them. Yeah. Because he was like, I'm a cool person and no one likes me right now phase. Now he's like, no, you guys are fucking great. Fuck them. That's what it's about. The lessons that he learns and stuff and how he's grown. And just like how he's absolutely like team the people who are on his side. You know, Luna says it was like having friends. And it's like, oh, poor Luna, first of all. Poor Luna. But yeah, and then he says like, you guys are cool and all of that. It's really nice to see, especially like over past year, how much he's been through with just Luna in particular since she was the last one to join. Neville also mentions Dumbledore's army. And yeah. it's like, well, technically, I suppose they could still do it this year. But of course, it's they don't It's interesting that they didn't it. choose to do it after it was announced that Snape was huge in defense against the Dark Arts. Yeah. But also, Harry's very busy. 
Quidditch. He's got Quidditch and hang out time with Dumbledore. Yeah, yeah, that is true too. So that was something I had thought too. Is mm-hmm. like it would have been interesting to see that make a resurgence. Neville has a new wand. I was gonna look up like what cherry and unicorn would mean, but I didn't. I am always sad every time I'm reminded that Neville did not actually have his own wand until now. Yeah, and he, he has it now because it broke. Uh, well, yeah, because he was using his father. Yes, which, you know, that is quite interesting, too. We didn't talk about it then, but the fact that his father's wand breaks in the same book where we find out what happened there and what's the symbolism of that. And then, of course, speaking of, oh, it was like having friends. Oh, you guys are cool. And the sort of social hierarchy at, like, high school that sort of comes up in this book. Ramilda Vane comes in. Who the fuck is this bitch? Yes, because it really is very much like, oh, you're sitting with these losers. It's very Regina George to me. Mm-hmm. And it also feels like there's an inkling or kind of like a foreshadowing there toward Lavender coming up right. later. And like just the hormones in the book. It Maybe that's there's, more there's, than what, like a social hierarchy. Can I just but. say, like, you were an underclassman, Ramil Devane. I know you're at least, I think she's in Jenny's year. I don't care what you think of Neville and Luna. You don't go up to literally the most popular boy in school and be like, the people you're hanging out with are losers. If he decides they're not losers, which he clearly does because he's sitting with them, because mm-hmm. he's Harry freaking Potter. He's wherever the fuck he wants. He's sitting with his friends who he cares very much about. And you came in here and were like, you don't have to sit with those losers. Do you really think he's going to want to be with you ever? Right, you right. bitch. While you are his friends. 100% correct. It truly is, like, such a high school thing. It really is. And I was always just so far on the bottom that I never really, like... <laughs> well, and, like, with a name like Ramil Devane, you know she's supposed to be... What are we calling the author this episode? Oh, um, she's a shirt stain. Okay! Oh, my God! You said that so casually. I was not expecting that. I even forgot what I was about to talk about. Oh, she, Ramil, Ramil Devane is what shirt stain... Thinks of uh, as like a hot girl, you know. Right, like you, just you know, Shortstein wasn't name. a hot girl in school. So. Right. So, but Ramilda Vane. Something right. that sounds. That sounds yeah. Like. Also, Her the last name is Vane. The movie is hot as fuck. She so. is. She's got like beautiful hair. <laughs> yeah, she's real yes. pretty. Oh my gosh. She's a real pretty girl. <laughs> Which I guess makes sense for the character, but yeah, I did not like this whole Ramilda Vane thing, and I'm almost positive because she is, you know, a very tertiary character, but she does come up quite a bit in this book, doesn't she? She comes up. Yeah, she comes up a lot in this book. I kind of like introducing this new character one to give us another Gryffindor in Jenny's grade mm-hmm. we learn a little like one more character especially another female character since apparently females are clearly not important in these books we already have feelings about Pavardi and Lavender and other students we've met like this is a new one even after this book we go on kind of a journey with Lavender Brown but I still like Lavender even though she's annoying as fuck in this book because I've been with her since book one, you know? I don't give a fuck about Ramilda Bain. Like, so if she wants to be annoying and creepy and stalkerish and, an, and like, a person that we don't want to talk about, okay. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think, like, the whole social hierarchy and the slug club and all of that, I mean, it, the name of the chapter is slug club, and we're just about to get into that part. But her coming in at this point feels like... At least correct for that, but I don't like the bit. Yeah, we're not meant to like her. Before we slug club, can I talk about another character? Yes. How long do toads live, and why is Trevor still not allowed to not come to school? Oh my god. You are still chasing Trevor around, Neville. Get a new pet. Alexa, how long do toads live? 
From reference.com, chunks have relatively long lifespans and may live from 4 to 15 years. Okay. species. Okay. Okay. So, fine. So, Trevor... She done corrected yeah. the fuck out of us. Oh, that's fine. Because I mean, like, I'm like, that's totally true! Right? But... but No, so toads can live a long time. That's fine. But Trevor hates you, Neville. Yeah. Like... Or he doesn't want to go to school. Get a like, me pop. Let him stay with your grand. Maybe he really likes grand. Maybe. Because who the fuck would want to come to Hogwarts? I bet Crookshanks hates Hogwarts. He's like, well, there's too many people perhaps, here. I mean, I do. <laughs> I want to go to there, but... Well, yes, but you're not a, a toad. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I am more of a cat, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. I just feel like Trevor clearly does not want to go, and... Give him his free will. Leave him at home. Like, bring another pet. Oh my god. I love that that jumped off free the Free Trevor! <laughs> That's so fucking funny to me. The one other that came up to me before we get into Slug Club... T- well, they notice that Malfoy is in the Slytherin compartment conspiring, which, no shit. But I wrote down, and I can barely read my handwriting here, paragraph on page 139 about Neville and Harry's... Oh, thank you for bringing that up. ...something intertwined. Oh, Destinies! Yes. Yeah. Because it's interesting that it actually comes up here because I forgot that and I thought it was something that was more of like a fan, not necessarily theory isn't the right word, but like something that fans typically notice about how there's that intertwinement there. So here it is, how Harry is thinking about how, you know, he's sitting there and he's with Neville. It says something about Neville's talking about his grades and Harry watched him without really listening and then you get, like, into Harry's head where he's thinking about how Neville's childhood had been blighted by Voldemort just as much as Harry's and, like, what Neville's trajectory is. And there's this part of it in which it says, Had Voldemort chosen Neville, it would be Neville sitting opposite Harry, bearing the lightning-shaped scar with the weight of the prophecy. Or would it? Would Neville's mother have died to save him as Lily had died for Harry? Surely she would. But what if she had been unable to stand between Son and Voldemort? Would there have been no chosen one at all? Would there be an empty seat where Neville sat now in a scarless Harry who would have kissed goodbye to his own mother, not Ron? Would have been kissed goodbye by his own mother. I can't <laughs> oh my read. god, Harry and Ron make out? I didn't even notice that. Right? Hey, ooh. <laughs> Harry's dream's coming true. Ron is like, nah. <laughs> Ron is like, why am I doing this? But really, like, that was the thing that I forgot was in his... The time we spent in Harry's head in this book is fascinating. It's like, how is this child 16? Like, how is he thinking like this at 16. Well. But, right? But then we're like, well, look at Refer back to la- the last episode. Right? Yeah. yeah, so Harry's sitting there thinking about what would have happened had Voldemort chosen Neville. Had that happened, and had it been completely reversed, would Neville's parents' attackers, so Bellatrix and Barty Crouch and all those fuckers, would they have gone for Harry's parents? Right. Would they have tortured them into insanity trying to find Voldemort's whereabouts? Right. There is so much built into that and I really love the part where Harry is thinking would Neville's mother have died to save him surely she would like he knows the kind of person Neville is he knows the kind of person his parents would have been and he's still a kid and he knows what his mother did like there's no doubt in his mind that a mother would step in front of a killing curse to save their child I agree with that honestly I think the parallels are so so clear there, but the sort of difference is there because I also like what you say about he would be sitting there scarless and there would be an empty seat here. I do sort of think that it would be like Neville with the scar and like everything would be flipped on its head. And like personality differences aside, one of the big other differences here is when you look at things throughout the series, it seemed like the Potters were much more well off than the Longbottoms. 
I don't know that I've ever felt that way. Well, first of all, Harry inherits a shit ton of money. They were rich before he was famous. You know? Right, It was, it was yeah. a family thing. Oh, yeah. We know that Harry's family has moolah. But... Now, Neville is using his father's wand by comparison. That's I think true. There's even some other things about like how Gran is portrayed, etc., that make me think that Harry might have been more like along the lines of upper middle class, where Neville might have been lower on that totem pole. So, like, Harry, on the one hand, is like rich and famous. Right. In a way. Whereas I don't think Neville would quite have that much. To that point, another big part of this, and we're just creating like conspiracy theories now. Obviously. We love it. Conspiracy theories are fun. Well, they when are. When it comes to this book. It, when it comes to the scope of this podcast. Yeah, outside of it, we're not going to do that. Because <laughs> conspiracy theories are like Ugh. ripe these days, you know? The other big thing, though, is Grand, too. Who would have taken care of Harry if his parents were, you know tortured in the insane I wonder if it would have been worse for him. Right. Like, he, he probably still would have gone to the Dursleys, you yeah. know? The stuff surrounding... Harry being drug into the wizarding world, or drug away from the Dursleys, basically, there would have been less of incentive to do that to him. Yeah. Because he wasn't the chosen one. Exactly. Exactly. So I can't wait. We're doing a whole fucking episode on this. Uh, that See, that is another really, really good one. Also, Neville being orphaned would be with his grand still. Exactly. Which is a good, loving household. A little strict, but like exactly. a, a witch instead of muggles who fucking hate magic. Right. Yeah. Oh right. my god, yes. We're doing a whole episode on it. To be continued. Yes. Very important to bring up. And then let's get into then Slug Club. Yes, they get some, they get some letters. And they get some letters. I didn't realize that it was like this early either. Of course, in the movie it does not happen. But Neville, of course, is invited. I have little notes here and there and then it gets solved later on. Like, why is Ginny there? And is Neville there because of his parents? And of course, that is the reason for that. While they're going there, too, Cho and Marietta are very briefly seen. And it's funny because Romilda, to me, feels like Marietta take two. I don't know why. They give off the same sort of energy to me. Okay. When I saw Marietta, too, I will say, there's been a lot of resolution since book five, too. Yeah. In fact, a lot of this, to me, feels like resolution from things that happened in the last book. This is one thing that is not. And I think that is interesting that she's even mentioned here to maybe even show, like, Hey guys, last book was a fever dream, but it did indeed happen, you know? Right. So my headcanon is still that eventually, sometime this year, before Dumbledore dies, he fixes Marietta's face. We talked about it in the fifth book. What she did was, like, not okay. But she's a kid. And here's the thing. It's still on her face. She being scarred for life. Right. At the end of this chapter... Something happens to Harry that we already kind of touched on, mm-hmm. and it's fixed immediately. Then by comparison, Marietta still has this on her face. Uh, and Hermione did it, not Draco. Like, it's interesting to look at that from that point of view. Yeah. So yeah, it's Slug Club time, Slug Club! And the people who are invited are Harry, Neville, Ginny, Marcus Belby, Blaise Zabini, Cormac. Cormac McLaggen. And I think it's it. It's just the six of them. This does feel, and like, it's almost nice that we already have that Slughorn chapter to already kind of see a little bit about him and that mm-hmm. he's perhaps a little untrustworthy, but he's not like bad. I even had said that it almost gave me Luna vibes. This, for some reason, of him like having high tea with a select group of students, that feels umbergy to me. It didn't ever feel umbergy to me, but if anyone likes him any more than they did when they first met him, 
after reading this chapter, then they're a fucking sociopath. <laughs> but if you were like, maybe I don't like him as much, that makes more sense. Or if you're like still holding judgment, that makes sense. But if you like him more than the last time you saw him, fuck you. He's so oily and slimy in this chapter. Mm-hmm. And the worst part about it is the way he treats Velvey. Yes. The next thing I wrote down was poor Marcus. Also, at the end of the last season, I had mentioned how we finally have like two different people with points given or taken away. Yeah. It was Frank, Bryce, and Longbottom. It's interesting that Marcus is another one here, because there have been some other ones well, yeah, that we talked about, Flint too. Yeah, Marcus Flint is the captain of... Yeah, Flint or he or, was. Or was. I, I think that he's, he's got to be gone by this point. I mean, but, I don't know. He's a dumb Slytherin, and we all know how well, Shartstein doesn't like to give people <laughs> any personality. Or, oh my god, this name or, is, like, too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> we're determined that people who are ambitious can't also be smart or good. Take care of their teen oral hygiene. Jesus. According to the movie. But yes, I really felt it for Marcus. Now, Cormac already, to me, is giving far too much privilege. Oh yeah, he's just like, oh yes, we did hang out with the minister. Oh, so it's my brother and whoever. And my papa. Right? (laughs) You know, we'd say it like that. We went with Bertie Higgs and Rufus Scrimger. Oh, you know Bertie and Rufus too. No, I don't know why I'm speaking in the British accent. No, because that is... Well, because that's all, what it's saying. Because they are British, but also like, <laughs> you're speaking in like, rich British. Yeah, rich. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm channeling Mark Gatiss as Mycroft Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is like hilarious. my and then there were none accent. Yeah, <laughs> you're trying yeah. to be a rich motherfucker. I know. <laughs> yes. He's already definitely getting that. And also, in the movie, obviously they cast a handsome actor very similar to Vermil Devane, is it alluded in the book that Cormac is hot. I don't remember. Because I kind of even said Vermil Devane is like a sexy name. Cormac McLaggen, not... Right. A, that makes me think of Haggis. Well, here's the thing. His first name being Cormac, you're like, that could be cool. But then, yeah, it just all goes... He was in Game of Thrones. I think he was the king at one point. Hmm. Um, well, he's I, a great actor, the actor who played him. But. I will be calling the character Haggis from this point forward. Haggis! <laughs> so. Well, then I would have to speak in his voice uh, with a Scottish accent. I know. Okay, so you know that I can't really do an Irish accent. And I can't do a Scottish accent. You can't? I have to... Whatever cha- I did in Puffs was the closest I could do. I have to either channel Fat Bastard or <laughs> Lawrence Cheney, who is the winner of Drag Race UK Season 2. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Lawrence Cheney! I got a Tudelaide poke. This is not good. Oh, this is not good. You were like getting there. I got a Tudelaide poking out, but that is not a Scottish accent here. <laughs> no, but some of the words you were getting there. It's like when I was trying, when I tried to do Lawrence Cheney. <laughs> Maybe the only thing I can say in a Scottish accent is Lawrence Cheney. <laughs> <laughs> Lawrence Cheney sponsor us. Actually, don't you? They don't win money on UK because it's from the BBC. So. But you're welcome to come be on the podcast if you want. <laughs> so yeah, so McLaggen sucks. Yeah. We... There also is, of course, Blaze, who also sucks. But the way that Blaze is written, and the actor is somewhat attractive as yeah. well, Blaze is kind of written in like a slinky kind of Yeah. Way. Oh, and also I like that Blaze is kind of just like... I know, me too. He is so just like, I guess I'm fucking doing this, okay? I just really appreciate that about him for whatever reason. And of course his mom is a black widow. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So, I don't know. There's something kind of slinky and sly that I like about Blaze yeah. so far. Even though, yes, he is kind of nasty, but it's a Slytherin being rude to Harry Potter. Like, what are we used to right. here? Harry's, like, realizing everyone here, because they're connected to somebody well-known or influential. Yes. Except for Ginny, of course. And right. we talked about this in the last episode, too. Ginny's the best person Oh, 100. There. She's, right? she's also the only lady there. I know, right? Fucker. Really? You couldn't find any other girls that had some je ne sais quoi? Well, remember when he meets Hermione, he's like, oh, really? But she's a muggle-born. Bitch, you loved Lily Potter. Yeah. That bitch was also a muggle-born. You thought she was the best student you ever had. Fuck exactly. You. And for Ginny, it's because she attacked fucking Zack Smith. Yeah. Like, I forgot that it was Zach Smith, yeah. too, which makes it even better. She's like, she's so fucking badass. <laughs> he's like, instead of her being like, um, you shouldn't do that, he's like, oh, that's fucking great. Get in here. <laughs> yeah. It is kind of interesting that it's paired off almost like the bad guys, like Cormac and Blaze. Yeah. And then the two who are a little bit more, like, introverted with Neville and Marcus. Poor Belby. And then, yeah, <laughs> especially him, like, poor Marcus Belby. So when he's wrapping up, I think this is where he has the thought of following Blaze into the Slytherin compartment. And I yeah. literally am like, no, don't do it. Right? <laughs> right? Every don't time I read it, I'm like, don't, Harry, oh don't my do God. that. I already had said that, like, this is absolutely one of my least favorite scenes in the series. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm just cringing up. I'm like, this is... You know, I, I feel like we're the same way about, like, when you, if you, like, rewatch a TV episode of a show that you're like, ugh. 100%. Did a stupid thing and I have to, oh, like, they, they, and you, like, don't want to watch it. <laughs> there are some series that I have rewatched. I rewatched Community, and I rewatched it all the way through, even in, like, season five and six, and I forgot that I had watched them because they were so bad and wiped it from my memory. Because I loved Community, like, the first three, even the fourth season. Ooh. Fight me if you disagree, but, like, it really went downhill. There were some of the episodes where I remembered what happened. I was like, I don't want to watch this. I'm in that space in this moment as well. Now, when he goes into the Slytherin compartment, there's a lot of shit talking, which, I mean, I yeah. understand. They're like, Blaze, who was there? And Blaze literally, again, cannot be bothered. Yeah. I kind of low-key love Blaze because uh, he has me no too. fucks to give. Me too. Blaze gave away all his fucks before he got to exactly. Hogwarts. <laughs> It's almost perfect. Harry is there, like, two seconds. Draco is just boasting about the shit that it truly is making him seem like a Death Eater. Yeah. And I'm like, here's the thing. I get it. You're in a safe space. You're in the, among other Slytherins. But I can't imagine every Slytherin is like, yeah, you go fight the good fight right? alongside Voldy. That doesn't feel very smart to me, which is why, you know, like we said at the beginning of this, the episode... He is pretty dumb up to this point, and then all of a sudden you still kind of see that here, but there is a nuance to him now. He has a different level of swagger in this book, I think. It's a different type. Mm. I think he relies on the confidence he's always had because he's always thought he was hot shit to get him through this much bigger than he is task that he's trying to do. Yeah, He is not capable of this task, and I think he enters it with this kind of ego, with this kind of confidence at the beginning of the book because he's never been taught otherwise to not just be like, yeah, you're fucking great. You can do all the things. Mm -hmm. Even though he's, you know, the dumbest bully out there. And 
obviously we see how that crumbles him throughout the book, but right now he's still in that like cocky asshole space, you know? Right. It's very interesting that all these people are still rallying around him when his dad is in prison. Obviously one of the Malfoys are rich as fuck and influential as fuck. Mm -hmm. So people rally around Malfoy the same way that they kind of do Harry. Except for Harry, they're like wishy-washy, you know? They're like, book one, yay. Book two, eh. Book three, yay. Book four, boo. Five, boo. (laughs) Yeah. Harry's on an upswing right now. Totally. He is on an upswing. But also, like, it's funny because... There always seems to be that the support for Draco, and yeah, maybe it truly is like his family's wealth. To your point, because but now Daddy's in prison, so maybe these are all people who are closely associated with, or maybe. you know, they've all got fucking death eater parents. Maybe despite, <laughs> or maybe despite Slytherins getting the bad rap of being the evil people, they have a lot of empathy for their own kind. That could very well be it. (laughs) Obviously, that's a shot in the dark. Sure, I feel like Blaze could give two fucks. Yeah. Like, he is the most apathetic character we've met the entire goddamn series. Fine. He's like, "Eh, whatever, fuck it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my mom is a hot witch, whatever. Yep, she killed all my dad. Yeah, it's fine, whatever. I didn't need them anyway. And then they're like, oh, well, even Blaze thinks Ginny is hot. And he's just like, I mean, I wouldn't fuck her because she a blood traitor. But yeah, she had (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm really glad that you got that same vibe from blaze though yeah now of course what happens here is everybody leaves the the, (laughs) yep the train's going everyone just jumps off of it (laughs) they get to school hogsmeade and everyone fucking leaves and draco's like i gotta check something yes Um, of course he noticed sliver of harry's like shoe or something yeah and we all know what happens. He petrifies yeah. him. He's just like, yeah, I heard Goyle's trunk hit you. And then he thought he saw something. And then he breaks his fucking nose. Oof. Yeah, he stamped hard on Harry's face. Ugh. It even describes it. This might be more at the beginning of the next chapter. But it even talks about how... It blood spurts everywhere. Not even that. Like, he tries his absolute fucking hardest. Move, but he can't because he's under the spell. Yeah. I mean, we'll get more into that feeling yeah, of, of just complete hopelessness. But, yeah. yeah, I hate the way this chapter ends so, Oof, so right? much. This is not a chapter that you're like, okay, I'll put the book down. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm so glad that we read these two chapters together. Seriously. Me too. Because I, I would have just read it anyway. I'd be like, nope, I got I to gotta get back in that yeah. mindset. Yeah. Yeah, the oh first time God. I read this, I was like, no, nah, I have to keep going. Yeah, this is absolutely one of those chapters. Well, here's my game. Okay. It is word association. Oh, good. I was going to use this in the last chapter until I realized that it was one where you create the game. So I used it for this chapter instead. There are some characters and some things that happen in this chapter. And some of them, I don't even remember what they are, but here they are. So let me know what comes to mind when you hear these words. The first word is Spectre Specs. What else? Because that, that's Quibbler. Quibbler. I also think of Regina Spectre. I fucking love her. Oh my god. Like, probably one of my top five artists. No joke. I love her. But that's what you wear when you go to a Regina Spectre concert. That would have been if this were wrong answers only. Yeah, we, we're not doing that one right now. No. The next one, and I, once again, can't remember what this is. Raxpert. Fuzzy. Why? 
but what is Rexpert? So Rexpert, the spectrospects are what you use to see the Rexperts. Oh. It sounds like I just said a bunch of made-up words, but Shortstain came up with them, not me. Oh my god. <laughs> my god. Every, every time you say it, you say it so casually, too. Like, that's really your name. Okay. It is, isn't it? <laughs> the next word, speaking of, actually, the next word is Romilda. Regina George. Very Regina George. Also, in the drag queen way, Ooh, okay. Like, she just has this air about her that is really just like, Out of a lot of the characters that are new where we tend to see, like, their first impression, like Luna and Slughorn, she just does not give me a good first impression at all. Probably even worse than Cormac, honestly. Um, But speaking of, that's the next one. Cormac. Do she? My answer is the tiniest little itty bitty dick. Mm, he might be in competition with some other people for that. Right. He plays a king, I think, at some point in Game of Thrones. Uh, and he looks hot as fuck. I the mean, he, the, the actor is, is attractive. He's but very. The character he plays, no, no. The next person is also a character, and I think we're going to feel a little bit different about them, and that is Blaze. Zero fucks! Zero fucks. He, he gives off this very feline energy, so feline is the word that I have. Okay, okay. Yeah. Cats don't give a fuck. I mean, I guess my cats actually do give quite a lot of fucks, but... Um, I mean, two of the three do. <laughs> Even he does lately. Oh, that's yes. fair. And then, this is not the last word I have, but the last character I have is Marcus. Cinnamon roll. <laughs> I was thinking like, oh, poor Marcus, that's literally all I had. But Cinnamon Roll. It was a little Cinnamon Roll character. I like it. Okay, two more to go. Anapneo, which that's oh. the other one I forgot what it is. Oh, yeah, that is to stop people from choking. So, no choke. <laughs> Anapneo feels like something... He's on something... Bridgerton, too. Oh, my God. So he has to be hot. Well, he's, he's a UK hot. actor, too. Yeah, there's you know. 20 of them. So <laughs> they're all in everything. Anapneo to me sounds like an eye condition. I don't know why. It kind of does. It also makes me think, though, of like sleep apnea. Yeah, very that too. Almost like my eye prescription changed because I have anapneo. Something like that. And then, (laughs) (laughs) again, I'm bleeding a little bit into wrong answers. Yeah, you really are. It's kind of fun. But the final one that I have is, of course, the name of the chapter, Slug Club. That just sounds terrible. If it wasn't meeting with Slughorn and, like, you know, shooting the shit, Slug Club doesn't sound very fun. Like, why would he call it that? Because that's his last name. They could have called it Horn Club, and then <laughs> and then Romilda and Cormac would have fit in quite well there. Yeah, it's weird. I don't, I don't love it. I do look forward to when we get to the parties at Hogwarts to see if it'll feel a little bit different, because I know drama happens there, too. Did you just take a picture of me? Let's talk about this movie. Oh my uh, god. So we're on the train. And Harry's sitting with Ron and Hermione because prefects, what are those? Exactly. No one gives a shit. Also, we apparently don't want to give Neville any screen time mm-hmm. yet because we've still determined that he's not important. Yes. Um, now we do see Luna, of course, going through the train with her spectrum. God, yeah. Specs. Well, well, so yeah, so Harry's like arguing with her, Ron and Hermione about Draco being a Death Eater. 
And they're not agreeing with him, so he's like, I need some air. So then he takes his invisibility cloak. Very obviously. Yeah. Like, they just sit there. It's not like, there's what like, are you taking oh, that well, for? Harry just doing what Harry does. Oh, he's gonna, he needs some air on this train, so and, he's gonna go out in the hallway. And he goes down to, like, literally <laughs> the other end of the train, in which it's a completely different fucking style of car. Right! Now, that made me feel like Murder on the Orient Express vibes. Yeah, We've literally seen the same types of compartments on the Hogwarts Express in every fucking movie. Until and so we're like, now. Until we spend time with Slytherins. Oh, Slytherins have special cars. Well, I would say that they're far less special. They don't have the private compartments, right. etc. But at the same time, in the first book, I might be wrong about this, but it almost feels like Draco is trying to get him to come to a similar compartment. So maybe there is like more of an open air compartment and private compartments on the same train, and... The Slytherins just choose to do their shit-talking out in the open. Right, they're like, well, everyone knows we shit-talk, so we might as well do it here. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So the other thing is, like, so Harry, in order to get into the apartment unnoticed, he throws that little black stone, which is Peruvian Instant Darkness Powder, which I don't remember them talking about in the movie, but it does get talked about in the book. Yeah. But that's what that is, and that's why it caused everything to be black. So that he could sneak in there. And then you get a very truncated version of Draco talking about all of his hotshot stuff. And they make sure that they show you Blaze. Uh-huh. Which is very coincidental because this is also the movie in which Rab yeah. is no longer part of the movies because the actor who played him was fired. Yeah. Because of, like, what, drug possession Drugs, or something? I think. And so... Yeah. Instead of, like, replacing the actor, they just took a character that already existed and put him in that spot, and then he's just there all the time now. Yeah. Which, okay. Uh, I mean, the fact that it does match up with the book somewhat well, I'm like, all right. I right. Mean, they looked for a solution. <laughs> I mean, it's better than making you have brown and white. <laughs> Well, you know, because they could have very well just been like, hey, crap, and he doesn't look anything like him, and he's like a black yeah, actor. Yeah, they, they're like, oh, well, we can bring in this other character and just pretend like crab isn't around anymore. Yeah, so I, I didn't completely mind it. No, I, I don't really care. I just was like, it's lucky timing. So yeah, Draco is mm-hmm. not really giving us any deets, which is... Fine. Well, he's also first of all, we both were like, "Whoa, Draco is looking fly. He's Holy looking very fuck. sharp." Also, um, Tom Felton's birthday was yesterday, I believe. Oh, happy birthday, Tom Felton! Happy birthday, Tom Felton! Tonight. Email us at basics and and we'll get you on the podcast. Oh my god, yeah, Tom Felton is good dude. <laughs> Draco Malfoy sucks, but Tom Felton is great. Draco looking fly, but yes. he also is just really broody and I'll get him into it more in the next episode for sure usually even when he's a bad bully he does a little bit of like a jaunt to him you know yeah like, he's just like I know that I'm hot shit yeah and they definitely laid in real heavy on making him broody in this movie mm-hmm. and that was probably a directing choice and a and whatever, I don't necessarily, like, think that it been Tom Felton being like, well, I have to figure out a way to, like, he, he's give got him a some big complication. decision on his mind. Because yeah. we don't get the time with him that we need to tell the story. And Draco has a significant role in this book. But it's a little annoying. I guess I can appreciate it from the point of view of, like, he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. And now here he is, his dad's in jail. He has this huge task that is put yeah. on him. He isn't obviously great, just as many of the characters in this um, series with regulating their emotions. Probably very likely him. He would have been an interesting one to talk about in the last episode, too. Well, we'll talk about Um, him, I'm sure, in the future. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, is it perfect? No. I mean, I think that especially that it's not 
Neville and Luna in the compartment. That is probably my biggest issue. And of course, we don't have Slug Club, but I don't really mind it. It's I'm okay with that Slug Club. And then finding a different way to make sure that they introduce Blaze. I don't think we needed to be introduced to Big Flagon any earlier. No. Although, again, the actor is quite attractive. It's fine. I think I agree. Whatever. We're going to make a big deal about prefects at some point, which they really don't in the movies after the first year in which Percy is like, I'm a prefect or whatever. Yeah. But still, give Luna and Neville their time. I mean, they gave it to an extent to Obama Lynch. We'll we'll talk about that in the next episode. But they did give us a little bit of Alfie Enoch time, though. Did get to see Ginny go up and like mm. be with her man. Yeah, that's true too. He is also a very attractive man. Absolutely. We love Dean. We do love Dean as well. Points? Points! Speaking of Dean, he doesn't get any points, but Ginny does. Ginny gets 10. Marcus Belby gets 10 because I felt bad for him. Neville and Luna both get 10 because they were there with Harry. And I originally did not write it down, but I'm going to give Blaze 10, too. Especially since both of us are on the same page. We love nonchalant Blaze. Yeah. No fucks. Totally. And the rest are negative points. Negative 5 to Ramilda Vane, because she feels very slimy to me. Negative 10 to Cormac McLaggen, because he feels even more slimy to me. And negative 100 to Draco, because that was fucking bad. And I don't like that scene. And that was rude. And you got a little tiny dick. Don't worry, Harry gets back at him. Yes. <laughs> Unintentionally, but Harry gets back at him. He gets back at him on a, in a big way. <laughs> that is right. That is in this book, isn't that it? That is this book. That's that's one of the scenes I'm like, no! Oh, yeah, that's kind of another one. Yeah. Whoops. Okay. There's a silver lining there, I suppose. <laughs> Next time, we're going to discuss chapter, chapter eight. eight of this book, which is called... Snape Victorious. Yeah, I thought I'd give you that one all by yourself. <laughs> I mean, Watch we all me know for non-stop about it. But we, we all know why Snape is victorious, of course. Um, did you say fucker? Sure did. Cool. <laughs> Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages. Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out!